Hello, and welcome to the Everyday Evidence Podcast from AOTA. My name is Bill Janes. I am Assistant Research Professor in Occupational Therapy at the University of Missouri, and I'm your host. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Sue Basic. Dr. Basic is Professor Emerita in Occupational Therapy at Cleveland State University and Director of Every Moment Counts, an internationally recognized mental health promotion initiative for children and youth. In 2017, she was awarded AOTA's Emerging and Innovative Practice Award for her work in addressing pediatric mental health. As part of the Every Moment Counts initiative, Dr. Basic led a research project that resulted in the paper we will be talking about today. That paper is titled The Comfortable Cafeteria Program for Promoting Student Participation and Enjoyment, an Outcome Study. It was written by Dr. Basic and her co-authors, Louise Demersion, Francis Horvath, and Lori Doxey. The paper was published in Volume 72, Issue 3 of the American Journal of Occupational Therapy in 2018. Dr. Sue Basic, thanks for joining us. Well, it's a pleasure talking with you today, Bill. I'm so excited to talk about this um, enjoyable and fun research. <laughs> Good, so am I. Um, well, as I mentioned there, uh, you have had a just a truly remarkable career. Uh, well, talking a little bit about the broader scope of your work addressing mental health among children and adolescents and the entire Every Moment Counts program. But first, I just want to start by asking about the origins of, of this specific paper. I'll say as a parent of school-aged kids, I have to admit, I had never given much thought to the cafeteria environment until I went and joined my then first grader at lunch. Um, in the paper, you described the cafeteria as one of the best contexts for promoting healthy eating and social interaction. Now, that may be true, but it's also just pure chaos. Uh, what prompted you to key in on that environment for kids? Well, back in 2012, when we envisioned this work, um, myself and 14 other OT practitioners, uh, we were thinking about OT scope of practice, and we were saying, well, mealtimes is a part of ADLs, and social participation is a part of what we look at, and now with the new OTPF, it's health maintenance. So we knew it was a part of our scope of practice, and we sat there, and, we, you know, and they were saying how awful the cafeterias were, and we, we said, well, why aren't we doing something about it? So, you know... Um, the cafeteria in many schools, um, the experience doesn't receive much attention. And it's usually the, it's on the principal's shoulders and he or she is so busy with everything else um, that, you know, it doesn't get much attention, resulting in many problems. Kids being asked to eat in silence, being yelled at. And so we knew with our knowledge of ADLs, mealtimes, sensory processing, and social emotional factors, that we could offer a lot to improving the conditions of this environment, which would then result in children enjoying their lunch um, and having higher levels of participation. So then I want to jump right into the meat of that then. Um, you, you describe it as improving the environment, which you know, to the OT mind makes perfect sense. What does that comfortable cafeteria intervention look like? How are you trying to change the environment? Yeah. 
So we thought about it with practitioners again. What could OTs realistically do, OT practitioners, so including OTAs? Um, we knew that we couldn't be in the cafeteria every single day. That's not the goal. The goal is to build capacity of the supervisors to be effective in their role and also to help children and youth be a part of the responsibility in creating a positive environment. So what, what we came up with, we said, well, maybe we could do a six-week, one-day-a-week program where OTs, practitioners, and integrate their services in the cafeteria with the goals of educating supervisors to be effective in their role, modeling the behaviors and interactions we would like to see from the supervisors, um, and coaching them to be effective. So based on the literature of what we want to see in the cafeteria, we came up with six themes focusing on pro-social behavior that we would also you know, use this time to help children learn important skills like how to be a good friend, how to have a mealtime conversation, which is a life skill, how to respect differences in sensory processing or the foods we eat, and, uh, or kids with special needs and include everyone. And then we also talk about healthy eating. So it is a, a, a push-in program um, and um, we make it fun for the kids. <laughs> so it, it, I think that's fascinating. You focused on the, the kids who are you know, ostensibly the end goal here is to improve their cafeteria experience, their social experience, their eating, their nutrition. But you had outcome measures that looked both at the kids and those cafeteria supervisors who uh, you, were, you were providing training to. I'm curious from mm -hmm. those two different groups, what did you learn from the supervisors and, and what did you learn from the kids? Did they enjoy the, mm -hmm. the conversations at lunch and the whole, the whole experience? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, supervisors get a bad rap. You know, people joke about the mean lunch lady. And one of our mantras is there, <laughs> there's no such thing as a mean, mean lunch lady. These are lunch ladies or men, but they're usually women who aren't getting paid much or they're teachers who have to do lunch duty, you know, on top of everything else. Um, and, and they're not mean lunch ladies. They're, they're people who haven't been given the education for how to be an active supervisor and promote positive behavior in large groups of kids. And um, they're not given the support or almost respect. And so we had supervisors who thanked us for caring about their important role. So we teach them about, um, there is literature and information on how to be an active supervisor. That, that doesn't mean standing in the corner of the room, just seeing you know, if a problem is gonna occur, it means working the crowd. We talk about working the crowd. You gotta walk around, you know, smile at kids, call them by name. You know? So learn one new name a day. Uh, that's active supervision. They, they loved it. It's, it's like flipping the switch for them to being um, tuning into more pro-social behavior and proactive versus reactive. The children just love the activities. We have a little conversation cube to foster conversations. We have them sit by someone new. 
the children enjoy it so much that um, the OTs always said at the end of the program, kids will run up to me and just hug me. You know, she goes out and I'll, I don't even know who they are. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's really about he- helping them enjoy that time. If they enjoy it, then they're going to want to go to school. They're going to want to, you know, they're going to go back to the classroom happy. Um, and we always said if we could measure the outcome by hugs, uh, it would be a no-brainer. Um, this is a successful <laughs> program. The other thing I'll say is even with a three-minute mini lesson on friendship or how to have a conversation, children are like sponges. They take in that information, and, and it does impact the way they think and the way they behave. And uh, we also decided there's a lot on anti-bullying, teaching kids not to bully. We wanted to focus on teaching kids what we wanted them to, to be. If, if they knew how to be a good friend, we would have less issues related to bullying. And we have seen that there is a decrease in um, problem behavior in the cafeteria and office referrals from this program. It, it's it's actually kind of heartwarming to hear you're, you're coming from this perspective that uh, everyone is innately good. Um, mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. description of the of the active supervisor, the engaged supervisor, just seems so important. We're, we're talking about usually the only employee or a group of employees in the school who interact with maybe every kid in the school every single mm-hmm. day. Individual classroom interventions might reach 10, 20, 30 kids, uh, but boy, they're interacting with hundreds of kids a day. And I, mm-hmm. the few times I have been in a cafeteria, I have never met anyone working there who didn't care about every single one of those kids. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really such a neat group to be targeting. And yes, I think if we could measure the success of all of our interventions by number of hugs, we'd, uh, we'd have much better outcome measures. Um, right. So some of this, you know, as from the OT perspective, it seems so uh, obvious or even axiomatic that if you start from that, that perspective, if we, if we provide pleasant and positive meal times, as you put it, and give that ongoing training and coaching, as long as there's some buy-in there, kids are going to enjoy the meal times more. But it's the kind of thing that may seem obvious only after someone really looks at the problem like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So recognizing the issue in the first place is part of the part of your larger worldview. Can you tell us how this fits into every moment counts and and where that program is going now? Well, every moment counts when we envisioned it again in 2012 with 14 OTs. So what makes it really special is this is not a program or an initiative that was developed by a researcher, but by Um, collaboration with practitioners who do this work every day, we knew that fostering positive mental health couldn't be just a one hour a day thing or a a lesson or whatever, that it had to be every moment counts. We had to tune into all the moments throughout the day. Um, And especially those moments that reflect what we should be looking at in terms of our scope of practice. So um, what we do is we we focus on mental health promotion throughout the day with our initiatives, such as the Calm Moments cards, which is helping teachers and frontline workers tune in to 
um, situational stressors and anxiety and embedding strategies to reduce stress. We have a refreshing recess program, which we call the sister program of the Comfortable Cafeteria, where we're also looking at healthy, active play. Uh, we've gone into so many schools where kids are sitting in front of videos during recess, and we know there are issues with obesity. So we're really focusing on active play, teamwork, friendships, conflict resolution. And then uh, another initiative is our Making Leisure Matter. Many children and youth with disabilities or who live in poverty are leisure deprived. And so with this initiative, um, we help kids engage in healthy leisure. And there's so much research to support that when kids engage in one out-of-school activity structured, that they do better academically, socially, and emotionally. So it's really helping OTs be occupation-based and help kids engage in those occupations that we know will help them both in their physical health and mental health and happiness. And I think that's the, the reorientation and focus that we in this profession need to hear uh, constantly as we're all prone to maybe mm -hmm. losing our way from time to time. Um, we're we're mm -hmm. already running up to time here. So I just want to, I, there's so much more I want to ask you, but I'm going to skip ahead here. And acknowledge the moment we're in right now, De depending on when people hear this, this hopefully this question might really date this conversation. We are here in the U.S. currently, oh gosh, 11 months into the COVID-19 pandemic uh, at this point. Now, we've seen every possible combination of K-12 education in this country. Mm -hmm. And so school lunch looks really different for kids everywhere right now. Um, for some, they're at home. For some, they're in school, uh, spread out across the cafeteria, or they're in their own classrooms. So uh, this gets to be an even more diverse, uh, divergent experience. Mm -hmm. So that that could have huge implications for OTs and OTAs working with those kids and families. Do you have any advice, recommendations for them for looking at meal times right now when when that social experience those kids have may be so disrupted? Well, we, we know that family meal times are critical for um, long-term outcomes in children and youth. So definitely um, doing what we can to support family meal times. You know, families who have four or more meals together during the week, the children have better outcomes. But I, I guess I would really recommend that all OT practitioners tune into and screen every child they work with in an informal way, tuning into how they're doing emotionally and what are the changes in their daily occupations that have affected their health and well-being. You know, are they still staying connected to their friends? If they're remote, how are they doing that? Um, if they're being reintegrated into school, how are they adjusting to that transition, separation from family, anxiety about COVID, um, and also looking at their hobbies and interests? Are they um, doing things with their hands and, and physically and, and, you know, are they able to still do their sports or music or arts, um, tuning into their sleep? So I, I think we just have to add that 
extra layer of vigilance, tuning them to how they're doing. And one OT recently told me, I spend the first three to five minutes really asking them, how are you doing? And taking a couple minutes to tune into their mental health. Um, that's what embedded strategies means. And that's what we need to be doing as OTs. I, I think that's good use uh, or good advice for all of us, regardless of our populations, but especially with those kids who, who may need that prompting and goading to, to talk about those things, whether they realize it or not. Uh, it's a real twist on even children through use of their hands are, are energized and energized right. by mind and will uh, influencing right. the state of their own health. Right. All right. Well, as I said, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. We're already out of time. I, I want to thank again, Dr. Sue Basic. She's professor emerita in occupational therapy at Cleveland State University and director of Every Moment Counts. You can find more about her work at everymomentcounts.org. All one word, that's everymomentcounts.org. If you'd like to learn more about the Comfortable Cafeteria Program study, you can find her paper in AJOT, Volume 72, Issue 3 from 2018. Dr. Basic, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And for our listeners, we will put a link to that paper in the Everyday Evidence podcast page at aota.org. You can find that page with more episodes, transcripts, and links to source materials by searching for Everyday Evidence at AOTA.org or on Stitcher. On behalf of the Evidence-Based Practice Project at AOTA, thank you for listening. <laughs>